Welcome back to another episode of the King's Pulse podcast presented by the King's Herald. My name is Brendan Nunes. Got Bryant West, draft expert of the King's Herald, good friend of mine on the show. What's going on, Bryant? How you doing, man? Hey, we got a new coach. We're uh, five days away from uh, finding out that the Kings are going to jump to the number one pick in the lottery. Life is good. Yeah, we got uh, basketball's for- fun. It is. We're going into Jaden Ivey and Johnny Davis today. We're, we're continuing to go through these player profiles. I was really excited to get started on these, and then the coaching search hit, and it hit a lot harder than I expected. I, I thought especially the guys <laughs> that uh, don't have prior coaching experience, it would just be like, all right, I have a general idea of them, kind of just going to relay, regurgitate information that other people have said about these guys. No, you can find a lot of shit on all these guys. Um a lot of different more, research. Some more than others. It's true, especially if we're going with a lot of shit. Uh, some more than others, for sure. Uh, so that took a little bit more of my time than I than I expected. Um, and man, like doing these uh, AV and Ivy, Jaden Ivy and Johnny Davis profiles, and and really diving into these guys, it was like the first time since the off season and the coaching thing being resolved that I could actually focus on this. And, oh, my God, it's so much fun. I knew it was fun (laughs) doing draft stuff, but I couldn't help but feel like I should be doing other stuff with these other guys. I'm so glad to be back in this. Um, And, again, two guys today that are uh, lottery talents. One of them is is highly talked about as top four in Jaden Ivey. Johnny Davis, I think some people will make an argument for potentially being best player available. We'll we'll get into our thoughts on that if the Kings sit at still seven, eight, or nine. Uh, But like you said, draft lottery is on Tuesday the 17th. 17th. Yeah, uh, five days from recording here. Kings have a 32% chance of jumping into the top four, but we all know we're getting that 7.5% 7.5% chance of Bryant West owning a Gonzaga jersey. So, <laughs> or, a golden, uh, Jabar, or a golden Jabari Smith Jr. jersey. Either one. And that uh, promise, too. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure that I'm supposed to look like uh, Doug some edert from uh st peter's if they jump into the lottery i'm supposed to try to make this whole look happen (laughs) james and i made some weird promises i forget who james was gonna try to look like i do not remember but say say the player's name again is it not doug edert it's the guy that uh it's the one that everybody was memeing that he looks like a beat reporter Okay. All right. I I just kept. I have only ever seen him. Yeah. When when you said his name, I was like, you don't look like him at all. And now that I'm staring at his pictures before the mustache, yeah, I can see I? it a little I, bit. I, well, I would have to like go all Steve out with Vick. the mustache. I'd have to figure out the mustache. <laughs> I'd have to let the hair grow. Like the mustache is part of his look. You know, at yes, this point, it is. It, goes down in in uh in history with that mustache so you know he transferred from saint peter's to uh bryant Bryant, yes <laughs> yes i think we talked about this actually on the last one now that you say that mm-hmm. i do remember this um bryant two guys we're talking about today um that are guards that i think a lot of people would uh kind of roll their eyes at the idea of the king's drafting another guard possibly you and i included it it depends the extent of each one of these guys as we'll kind of dive into the specifics um but really the only thing on this sacramento roster to me that feels cemented 
Um, and even then I questioned things because Tyrese Halliburton was the definition of that label to me last year. The only thing that feels cemented right now is De'Aaron Fox and DeMontis Sabonis. Um, who knows what's going to happen with Dante DiVincenzo? Like, not heard anything at all, but, like, I'm not shocked if Davion Mitchell has end up moved this offseason. I would expect that he sticks around, but who knows? I don't know that that's somebody that you're, like, taking into account in your draft process all too much. Um, just to start, general philosophy, where are you at with the idea of taking another guard if you're the Sacramento Kings in this draft that likes to have the ball in their hands? Um, and that's one of the primary ways that they, they contribute. Well, I certainly like both of these players in a vacuum. Um, and honestly, if the Kings came away with either one of these guys, uh, I think they're nothing but excitement. Honestly, both of these players uh, have real NBA skills. Um, one of them certainly has a higher ceiling, I think. One of them might fit this Kings team better. Um, but, you know, depending on where the Kings end up, there's a real strong case for either one of these guys. It's just priorities at this point. Like if if you want to strictly argue best player available, hey, I'm always going to respect that. But as you and I keep saying here, best player available is needs to be ordered by tiers. I strictly subscribe to only selecting best player available if they're in a different tier group. For me, Jaden Ivey is in the second tier of this class, and he's the only dude I'm going to have in that second tier because I think Chet Holmgren, Jabari Smith Jr., and Paulo Bancaro are the only three in the top tier for me. So if the Kings sit at number four, Jaden Ivey is my pick. It's not a perfect fit in Sacramento. Lord knows we'll go through his strengths. We'll go through his weaknesses. A lot of both of those things line up very, very uh, similarly with De'Aaron Fox and, you know, in some aspects that'd be cool. And in some aspects that'd be a little team worrying. Um, Johnny Davis is in the third tier for me and pretty much unless you can, unless Monty McNair strictly thinks, no, nah, Johnny Davis is head or above a tier difference than anybody else available on the board. And that's seven and nine range whenever the Kings end up. I'm going to argue against taking him because at some point the Sacramento Kings team is going to need to prioritize uh, the the uh, wing and forward spots and prioritize finding players who, you know, fit's always a complicated case because somebody's going to come yelling about fit versus talent. But I'm not going to sit here and think that Johnny Davis is head or above more talented than Keegan Murray or Tari Eason or Benedict Matherin, or A.J. Griffin, all of whom I think would fit this Kings team better. So that said, both of these players are really fun to watch. Both of these dudes are players that I would bet on making real noise at the NBA level. And if we walk away from this draft with either one of these guys, I don't really think I'll be disappointed. I don't think so either. Um yeah, you, you got the fit word in there, and a lot of people are, uh, I'm sure that's this is how you end up with Marvin Bagley over Luka Doncic. Um, no. And if you need to tell yourself you that eventually they'll pick a wing, no, it's not the same. Yes, no. you're no. right. We should acknowledge this. I hate that argument because I hate it so the much. idea— I hear it 10 times after this podcast. Yep. The tier system that apparently we have to explain every single time. 
if players are in the same tier, for example, am I right that tier one, Chet Holmgren, um, Jabari Smith Jr., and Paulo Bancaro for you? Absolutely, yeah. Okay, same um, here. Yeah. If you're there at um, at four, and say that A.J. Griffin is is in your next tier, just hypothetically for the sake of conversation, you know, who I'm knows not how Brian drafting. feels. I'll, I'll just say it out of the blue. I'm not drafting A.J. Griffin over Jaden Ivey. I'm not yeah. doing it. Interesting. Interesting. Makes sense. I don't know that I'm. We'll we'll get deeper into that. But Ooh, real quick on the tier system, AJ, you're higher on AJ Griffin. Than I, I might am. be lower on Ivy though, and oh, I've come back around on, on Griffin a little bit. Um, you just don't. If you're picking at four, at at pick uh, three, and what you have left is Chet Holmgren, Jabari Smith Jr. are gone. Paulo Bancaro's there. Uh, last one that you have in that tier and then sitting there at the top of your next tier is AJ Griffin and to me AJ Griffin is just a much better fit Um, and this is just for the sake of explaining the tier system you don't drop down for the sake of tier you take Paulo Bancaro even though there's fit questions in my mind Vlade Divac had Bagley and Dodchich in the same tier and that's where the problem is Because picking for fit within a tier is acceptable. Reaching down a tier, or maybe your tiers are just a little off uh, in hindsight. And (laughs) maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe don't even need hindsight, but we'll go with it. Um, So that's where the fit conversation comes in. Uh, At some point, I'll feel like I won't need to explain that anymore. Um, But... I am with you that I think that these guys are interesting enough talents that I think there's a real case that they are best player available. Um, Specifically talking with Jaden Ivey is the easier one, and it might be a little bit more of a nuanced conversation as we get into Johnny Davis and what he could potentially look like and the idea of him being potentially best player available if the Kings end up sitting at 7, 8, or 9. Jaden Ivey, I'm going to run through a little bit of his numbers here, and this is a 6'4 guard with a 6-9 wingspan, I believe. Um, I just couldn't find an exact confirmation from... I just go off of Cini's numbers, to be honest, um, when it yeah. comes to height and wingspan that feel like the most reliable and easiest to find. 6-4, um, 6-9 wingspan for Jaden Ivey, who is a second-year guard from Purdue. And in his sophomore season, he averaged 17.3 points, 3.1 assists, 4.9 boards, on 46% from the field, 35% from three on five attempts a game, and 74% from the free throw line on 5.8 free throw attempts per game. And, of course, got to mention stocks when we're talking Monty McNair, um, 0.9 steals and 0.6 blocks. And holy shit, he's athletic, uh, by the way. This <laughs> is probably the highlight with Jaden Ivey, right? Is that – Yeah. you feel like that's accurate? Uh, that's where we start here? For sure. When he gets out into space, he's just an absolutely incredible basketball player. His combo of top-end speed, agility, explosiveness, change of pace, vertical pop, uh, ball on the string, dynamism, uh, 6'9 wingspan, like that combination of tools will definitely be on the higher end of NBA guards. Um, When he gets going downhill, there are few dudes in college who can keep him out of the paint. And when he got to the rim, he made his shots at a 65.5% clip. Um, His craft, once he gets into the paint, is just beautiful. He's the most insane player that I've watched so far in this class bar none. Um, I really do think that 
there's a chance he could end up being the best player in this draft if he ends up with a smart organization that just makes him play more consistently on both ends and helps merge his athletic gifts with his full developing offensive skill set. But, you know, I think a lot of his game is certainly a work in progress. Um, he'll benefit greatly from more open NBA spacing, but uh, he'll also meet more resistance from dudes closer to his physical peak. All that just to say he's not the most consistent prospect in his time at Purdue, but that doesn't take much away from his NBA potential. Yeah. Um, you know, his mom is Notre Dame's women's head coach and a former WNBA player. His dad is a former I didn't know that. white. I didn't know that part. I, uh, for, cool. I wish I remembered who to give credit to on here. Um, someone on The Athletic that was diving into Houston, Kelly Iko did a great dive and, and talked to head coach from uh, from Purdue about him. It, so definitely recommend checking that one out. But yeah, mom is Notre Dame's women uh, head coach, former WNBA. His dad's a former NFL wide receiver. Uh, you can see where the athleticism comes from. Um, and the difference between year one and two, I'm always curious with guys who, who take such a jump in, in between these two seasons. And, and I think Ivy probably would have been still a lottery guy last year if he would have gone or no. I don't I wouldn't hear about him last year as you know, if a guy was considered to be a lottery talent, I think you and I would have probably heard of him at some point. And I only heard of him in passing. I'll admit I didn't watch much Purdue games last year. Um probably would have been a first round pick, is my guess, just based on that tool set, but it's a good thing he went back to college. Yeah, definitely. And I think the idea for him and also in his freshman year, he, he had a early season like right foot injury. And his coach described it as he had like a score every time mentality, pretty much. It, it was the mental aspect that and this is kind of going to be the theme with Jaden Ivey. The athleticism is all there. Um, and this is his appeal that he has all the things you can't teach. And then the aspect that needs to be the aspects that need to improve a drastic amount in my mind are all the things that I think a lot of people believe are fixable and teachable, learnable, whatever word you want to use um, in the NBA in the right system. And uh, yeah, the, the quote for the adjustment between year one and two from from Painter, Purdue's uh, head coach, he just had to learn when to hold them and when to fold them. Uh, so just <laughs> I think it very fitting for Ivy. Um, and also in between year one and two, he had this crazy confidence boost after FIBA under 19 uh, leading USA to a gold as probably the number one option uh, with Chet Holmgren on the same team. So got a little bit of a nice confidence boost there going into year two and uh, totally exploded. I, I mean, the standout difference statistically to me um, is going to be efficiency and primarily from three. Uh, freshman year, 4.2 three-point attempts per game, 25.8%. And sophomore year, five, five attempts per game jumps up from 25.8 to 35.8%. Um, and, you know, as as uh, people who cover De'Aaron Fox, I think we know the importance of being able to optimize and fully utilize your a player's athleticism. The best way to do that is actually be able to be threatening from beyond the arc and, and jumpers and uh mm -hmm. I, ivy made some progress there um 
I guess before I get into those specifics, I want to talk a little bit about his athleticism. Um, open court, fast as hell. Like, De'Aaron Fox level, it feels like, right? I mean, Fox is, yeah. Fox is crazy, but it, it's comparable. Um, the This is probably just typical with athletes. Like, he just doesn't – he looks pretty out of control often um you know we you could say the same thing for fox right yeah. like the same thing was said for jalen brown like um this is typical for athletes I, I think like your mind catches up to your body and and i think there is a little bit of an aspect of um i think a handle for these type of quick guards is so important for actually being able to use the athleticism that they have um and, and i think that ivy could develop that handle and be able to use that a little bit more my, my question with the athleticism a little bit, um, as much as you can have a question with him, because like we're going to pitch, we're pitching him as an elite athlete. Right. And I see right. why the bounce, the full speed. Um, I didn't like feel it like crazy. I like not amazing first step. Ooh. Is that just me? Like, I think that's just you. I love his first step. Like it's good, but I wasn't blown away. Like, in a half court, if he already has a little bit of a head of steam and he's catching and like already starting to go, like it wasn't, it wasn't just straight up like elite to me. I think that I, once he gets, it, it, it was more so like top speed, phenomenal acceleration is just really good, not like elite. Uh, I definitely think that his best moments are in transition or when there was a really stretched court. Um, I really like his first step. I really like his handle. Uh, his handle does need work, but as much as anything, you know, uh, he plays certainly out of control. Um, so I think I think to me that's his big thing. But like he has a nasty combination of change of pace, hesitation moves, crossovers. Like he just weaves through guys at a rate that very, very few NBA prospects could. Um, he's transitioned his athleticism into a truly functional, terrifying driving game in my mind. Um, but if you're not as high on that, you know, the functional athleticism part of it when it comes to a half court game, then I can understand it. It's just, and again, it's like with the asterisk to me of like, we're talking about him as an elite athlete for good reason. And I just don't know that I'm like, man, this guy is blowing past NBA defenders with his first step, like 80% of it, like De'Aaron Fox type of way. And maybe I, I could see it. I do think that there's a chance I'm being overly critical of an athlete that like, body moves a little bit faster than the mind and some of the skills need to catch up and then everything will look a little bit more clean. Um, I, I think I have struggled with that one a little bit in kind of evaluation process. Like AJ Griffin a little bit sometimes too is is similar in a way, not first step, but athleticism, not maybe fully being able to be used just isn't hitting the same way for me. Um, but still totally fine with and reasonable crazy to not just still give Jaden Ivey the athlete elite athleticism title um when it comes to his offensive game you have uh, you have something yeah I I just think that um 
my concern here is his decision-making process, um, especially considering like he wasn't an insane high usage dude. Um, I'll pull that up right here. 28.7% is pretty high. I mean, that's what you'd expect to see for a, a guard in this range, but like he wasn't controlling it anywhere near as much as Johnny Davis was. Um, and, and he really didn't have the balance between um, I'm going to score here and I'm going to pass out and get it going. Like, I think if he is uh, positioned as the secondary initiator in an offense, then I really like his potential moving forward. But because he certainly demands a ton of defensive attention and he was great at times finding open dudes when doubles came at him. Uh, he loves flare passes. He loves putting a little mustard on them, but I don't think he's a point guard. And I definitely hear some people thinking he is. Uh, if he ends up ever being a primary initiator, I mean, I'll be real surprised. That's some incredible growth. That's not something I want to count on. Um, so, you know, he, he really prone to getting out of control, taking bad shots. It's a real balancing act for him uh, from a game-to-game basis, too. This is kind of that thing I was talking about earlier. There's not much in his game besides the transition offense that I think is exceptionally consistent that you can pinpoint and say, this is what he's going to do at a very high level from the moment he steps on the NBA court, which gives me more pause than some people who have him in that top tier of prospects. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm going to backtrack really quick because I can already like hear and see the comments coming at me for saying that like Jaden Ivey doesn't have a quick first step. <laughs> not what I'm saying. And I think I'm like being you're, overly you're critical here. Yeah, I'm comparing him to like what might be the fastest first step in the league. I'm just saying well, like. And, I, and you're comparing him to the Fox that you and I are used to seeing in Fox's yes. prime. Ivey's not at his prime yet. Right. Yeah, I do think there is probably a pretty big aspect of like. The handle, he has some nice moves right now, but, like, I do really think that a big aspect of players that move at this crazy speed is really getting your handle to a next level as well to be able to properly utilize that, and I think that could be a decent part of it as well. Does he not, like, fall on the floor a lot? A lot. Like, I, so, well, like it, it, I was like, do they not wipe these floors? What is happening when he plays? Well, like, Especially in that uh, Big Ten uh, final, I think it was against uh, um, Keegan Murray in Iowa. Um, maybe that wasn't the final. I don't remember at this point. Uh, he fell so many times, yeah. and that's some combination of like when you're moving that fast, he's out of control. Not just for the basketball style, but like probably nobody is supposed to be able to move that fast and be that functional. Only the elite elite ever balance that. Um, right. So yeah, he definitely falls a lot. Um, on the on the decision making you were talking about, because yeah. um, I think that that is kind of like the area to go here. Of mm-hmm. he's a two guard, right? I, you, that yes. is uh, you locked that in, right? Yeah, okay, same here. Um, that's a little weird to me. Um, it's fine, I, I get it, um, but I think ideally, a guy that is this level of penetrator and athleticism is then able to make use his um, ways that he's bending the defenses by 
by uh, blowing past guys and kind of drawing in help defenders to then make plays for his teammates from there when the defense is rotating over. And I just don't know that I loved much of the um, of the passing. Um, I, I think that there was some flashes. He's also not the primary initiator for that offense. So maybe if he was and just got more reps in as that guy, it would look better. Um, I, I'm certainly not sitting here thinking there can't be progress made there um but i'm a little uh hesitant of like the the passing that i saw it was there wasn't even all too many of like oh i'm glad that he tried that even though it it didn't work um there were some questionable shots that i think were thrown up and again i i still am going to have ivy like top five probably so i'm being like overly critical of a guy that because he's ranked so high um, so just for, for context here to anyone listening. Um, but like, it's a lot of like drop-off passes where it's like yeah. really obvious passes and there's value in making the obvious read, but I don't know. I, I didn't see all that much that is making me think that, uh, there's going to be some advanced decision-making where you can like fully capitalize on bending defenses at the next level. I agree with you with the way making it's definitely, the number one thing I want to see. Well, actually there's three things I really want to see him improve at early in his NBA career. That's one of them. Uh, but I do think that a lot of what Purdue did shows that he should be a off ball secondary creator, like 25% of his half court offense came off the catch and shoot, which is pretty high for a, a, a dude that we're talking about as Uh, a lead guard kind of prospect at the next level. Um, And he could have been a dang good cutter if Purdue ever gave him more ball screens. Like they never did that. His, his offense was pick and roll or you're playing off the ball and you're going to go to the corners for catch and shoots. Um, Now to me, I really think that he needs to end up next to a very specific type of primary initiator to really fit. Let me sell you on the best fit in the lottery. Is there a better dude for Jaden Ivey to be next to Tyrese. than your old buddy Tyrese Halliburton? <laughs> no, I like it. I, I love like it. it. Offensively. I love it. He needs to go to Indiana. Um, stay home. Yeah. Yeah, stay yeah. home. Um, my other big offensive concern is you talked about his three-point shot. Um, pretty good, a real great improvement from his freshman year, uh, started doing dance back threes, uh, 35.8%, I think it was, um, is very solid, not great. Uh, he shot 42% in November through Jan from November through January. And then he shot 18% from deep in February and 33% in March. So like that's a cold streak to end the season. Um, so there's possibility struggles from deep as a rookie. Um, but like, like you said, if you do that quick and explosive could just be an average threat from deep. It just unlocks everything else in his game. The concern to me is that we talked about his rim attempts being really successful. His three point shot is at least average for an issue for a lead guard. He just has no mid range game. Like he's the opposite of Johnny Davis. Um, he either took it to the basket or shot threes. of his jump shots in the half court were three pointers Um, and just 39 total jump shots 
within the three-point arc. Uh, doesn't try a runner very often. That seems the low-hanging fruit for some team to add to his repertoire. Um, there's just real predictability in his game right now. Defenders are going to be able to predict what he's going to do. Uh, if he adds any sort of in-between game, that really he needs to do that to open up his offense. Um, yeah. Do you have anything else to say on his offense before I go to my biggest concern? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think I, I agree with you. Yeah, I mean, catch and shoot, 52.2 adjusted field goal percentage. That's uh, 61st percentile on synergy. Like, I think that's promising. Um, I think, like, average three-point shooting. I His form is a little tough to me. It's just, like, low. It comes from his chest. Um, yeah. But, and... and I don't know why. I'm very willing to overlook form on guys that have proven they are just damn good shooters. Uh, like Tyrese, like I still roll my eyes at people that are like, oh, they said the shot didn't translate. Like anybody that said that, it, uh, yeah. Was missing like, context. Yeah, I'm this this guy, did you see how well he shot? Like, so, but I'm going to question forms a little bit more when they're already not a great shooter. Um, he struggled from the line. Uh at times this season 74 percent is okay but it's not also it's also not something i look at and i'm like okay you know this is a good indicator it's still kind of up in the air to me um so yeah i'm, I'm with you that like if and, and they're not really being that in between game where um they, one of those need to click more than they already have um so i, I think that there definitely needs to be some progress there and i, I think part of the in between game for me is that like i didn't see a great deceleration and maybe it's just because he's just trying to get to the rim every single time um could totally be what's going on i I think that he has like the balance to be able to do that and maybe it's just not something that he's that he's worked on or a shot that he looks for all that often or did during his time at purdue yeah but i I think that like you pointed out either the mid-range or that three-point shot um definitely needs some progress to be made because a one-dimensional guy that's like a slashing um, uber athlete but also not a great playmaker is I, I see the mold um, but very raw uh, piece of clay that's just super athletic uh, scares me a little bit but of course the upside is super apparent on the offensive end um, and I think you and I will share the biggest concern is that he's just one in another long line of uh, of you know I feel like we could say this about a majority of dudes who on any given year go in the top half of the lottery, but on defense, he's just going through the motions a lot of the time. Um, he doesn't have the defensive dog mentality that Johnny Davis does. Um, you can see this in the fact that Johnny Davis guarded him in their matchups uh, and Ivy didn't line up to guard him. He certainly did on some switches, but um, Ivy has the potential to be a really good defender, but it's in the same argument that we've made about Fox for years. Like, Quickness and explosiveness, you should be better than you are. Uh, he has his moments where he shadows dudes well, or he blasts around screens, or he anticipates and jumps passing lanes, or like he has a, a you could do a whole highlight collection of chase down blocks. But it, there's just nothing there consistently. He's just as likely, if not more so, to get screened out of a play or just fall asleep off the ball and his dude just gets to the basket. Like there's just not enough total fight in his defense. Um, if he was guarding himself, he'd average 25 points a game. So, <laughs> yeah, it's a funny way to put it. Cause it's a, 
backhanded compliment, but I am uh, absolutely with you. Um, yeah, it's one of those things I don't know how to feel because I am one of the people that's sitting here like, no, but when De'Aaron Fox is locked in, you see it. Um, <laughs> when my dad gets to him. Yeah, exactly, right? That's the that's the idea. That's the hope here. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't love it with Ivy. There's a lot of letting a guy blow past him on the perimeter because he's betting that he's still going to be able to get there for the block. And sometimes he does. And it's like, it's those are some of the best highlights from Ivy. In my opinion, is these blocks from a six, four guard that are just crazy recovery. Um, but not great fundamentals and, and probably going to hurt you more often than not at the NBA. Um, the tools are there. Ivy is like the definition in, in my mind. And I, I guess Chet, falls into this too but chet has like the skill and timing and all this like you're banking on just his skill his athleticism um it, like it really is the athleticism that you're just like buying here and i get that like the top of the nba is is crazy athletes um there is it's... sorry finish no you're good you're good that's that's the base of I, I think where, that kind of where I'm at. The improvement from year one to two tells me that this is a dude who will put in the time at least at least on offense. I'm not worried about him finding ways to improve. Um, now, if he doesn't end up in the perfect in the in a good situation um, that doesn't prioritize the right aspects of his game or doesn't help him be more consistent on the areas that we've talked about being weaknesses. You know, there's a chance that he doesn't end up being worth a top four pick in this class, but I think it's just as likely that he's the next in a long line of uh, uh, primary scoring guards. Like, um, I think I think our buddy Ray mentioned. <laughs> How did you know to pull that up? I was just about <laughs> to say, Ray's compared him to Donovan Mitchell before, and that's a comparison I I I, I like in terms of gets to the right situation, courts open. Um, Donovan Mitchell had some of the same um, passing concerns coming out, some of the same, I think, in between games. I don't remember. That was a long time ago. Um, so I think it's just as likely that he ends up going to a good squad with a good coach that prioritizes the right parts of this game. It's just all about consistency. Yeah. And I think that I, as somebody that, doesn't primary doesn't exactly enjoy college basketball because it's more mistakes than like things done well mm -hmm. in my mind um and like nba is typically vice versa unless you're watching the sacramento kings every night um <laughs> that i probably like i could totally see ivy being a guy that i end up like valuing too low and then it being like a learning moment for me of needing to kind of adjust my philosophy to some of these guys that like the flashes are, are are crazy, you know. Um, if if the Kings if the Kings end up with the fourth pick next uh, uh, next Tuesday, we're gonna have to have some real conversations. Because to me, I'll be glad he's, to. He's too good to not draft if if only for a trading for a trading asset. Um, and and Lord knows there could be some fun offense. He's already somewhat used to off ball, um, so it's not the worst offensive fit. But there's so much redundant with De'Aaron Fox that 
I'm not going to pick any one of Jabari, Chet, or Paolo over him. So, Yeah. Um, if they end up uh, sitting at four, even if they end up sitting at, at three, um, I, I think there's definitely a conversation to be had about, about Ivy because there are those moments. I mean, it's the the space creation. It's kind of opposite for these guys, and we can use this to transition into mm-hmm. um, into Johnny Davis here is like, Jaden Ivey is creating the space, like especially on these – the step-back threes are what really get me because I'm like, oh, man, if he's doing that, then there's something here. You know, like there's some crazy space creation. The ones where I'm like pretty sure that's a travel, but we just don't call this shit anymore. Um, the the double step-back move that like I guess Harden kind of really was the one to bring about. Like you see Ivan br- Ivy bring out every once in a while. He does have like these moments where there was a game um, – against iowa both these guys played iowa a handful of times so i kind of got it mixed up and ended up watching a decent amount of keegan murray in this process um (laughs) specifically didn't watch iowa during this uh watch through because i knew that would happen yeah it definitely definitely did happen for me um but there's a game where iowa uh purdue gets out to a really big start iowa has a big comeback and right before they fully close like I want to say like 18 point lead Ivy kind of just takes over and like seeing those moments of him taking over games um are are really promising to me I I think I probably am putting a little bit too much into like more often than not he was not more often than not it's like a coin flip is this going to be a tough possession or is this going to be amazing um so I, I think that probably something that uh it's just was a little bit of a weird viewing experience for me and um going to be somebody I, I keep tabs on to see how i kind of change my philosophy he creates the space and you see the flashes um the finishing isn't quite there sometimes um when it comes to just putting the period on the play with actually getting the bucket or making the right read johnny davis on the other hand um he creates enough space for himself um it's not a crazy amount of space but he's one that's hitting tough shots and can, at a really good rate. So yep. for him, it's enough space. Typically, I'm like, oh, I don't know that that's like what I normally would call a great look. But as you watch more and more Johnny Davis, like look at his consistently consistent number. It's like, okay, that's just what he does. Um, and there's value in these in these tough shot makers. So uh, before we dive too much into him. Um, I will just go through his basic numbers here. Um, I have Johnny Davis, and this is a sophomore at Wisconsin this year for anyone unaware. 6'4". I didn't see a wingspan. Um, it, it, not, can't be, it can't be that long. Like, yeah. It, it also six, doesn't like stand out short. It's probably just, yeah, somewhere average. Um, and in his sophomore season – at Wisconsin, he averaged 19.7 points, 8.2 rebounds, 2.1 assists on 42% from the field, 30% from three and on uh, 3.9 three-point attempts per game, and 79.1% from the free throw line on 6.3 free throw attempts per game, and of course 1.2 steals and 0.7 blocks per game. Um, tough shot maker, Johnny Davis. Very much. Where do you want to start with him? Um. Well, he was one of the best players in college basketball till the very end of the season. Um, and he deserves a uh, lottery consideration for that. 
he led his team in points, field goals, rebounds, and steals. He was second in three pointers, third in blocks. Like that's crazy for a six four guard in Big Ten. Um, his whole scoring ability wasn't efficient for the whole of the season, but like there's a lot that happened in that last month in terms of how teams started attacking him, started focusing specifically on him. Then he got injured in the Big Ten tournament. Um, that I think he, he was pretty tired at the end of that uh, season. And, you know, all in all, I'm not confident that NBA Johnny Davis is going to look like college Johnny Davis. Um, I'm very not confident that he can ever get close to replicating his sophomore season usage rate of 32% at the NBA level with any sort of real efficiency. And that's not so much a negative because I think he's more of a secondary offensive player in the pros. Um, I just really struggle to believe that his future NBA team is going to try and replicate a lot of what we saw at college, especially early in his career. Uh, Wisconsin had him run 6.2 pick and roll plays per game and shoot 6.3 shots off the dribble per game. You tell me right now, any NBA team going to let him do that? No. 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 Um, I th- certainly think he's got strong upside on offense. And I think that we, if we're looking at him as a, a secondary creator, uh, I'm really excited to see him playing more off the ball. Um, because, I mean, he's a determined, heads-up, smart player, and I think he can be a really solid movement, shooter, cutter, catch-and-shoot, scorer, even if that's not at all what he did at Wisconsin. So. But like you said, he was a dude who got his offense by getting to his spots and being just a tough, incredible, uh, mid-range, uh, sh- tough shot maker. That's just not what I think he's going to be at the next level. So. Yeah, this is uh, kind of polar opposites with the same position in a way. Yeah, it really um, is. And I think it's one of those things that like in the viewing process of, of really – going through film of these guys like extensively for the last like week i'm probably getting a little jaded by like i just ended up liking watching johnny davis more um and probably is just messing with me because i think, I think you're it's right fair. At the, I, I get what you're saying though of like what works obviously at college is not automatically going to work at, at the nba and um I'm probably a little biased for saying like I want the guy that's just a good player right now when I'm last year talking up Zaire Williams, but I feel that's, different that's that a it's uh, but it's a wing compared to a guard is where uh, how I'm going to justify this myself. Um, but with Johnny Davis, like the I am a little skeptical of guys that like yeah he just isn't creating that much space for himself. Um, the comp you hear all the time is is Devin Booker. Um, just like this high release, Whoa. he's never rushed. I mean, not. I'm not saying this caliber of player, but like when you watch him just get to his spots and hit tough shots with a high release, yeah. and he's not rushed. You hadn't heard this. You're talking about offensive set, but like that ignores Devin Booker is just loads better of an athlete. Yeah, Devin Booker is way way better. Um, yeah, you know, I'm not saying you're making that comparison. I understand that other people are making that comparison in terms of tough shot making. I'm just, it's, I don't like that comp. Yeah, it's, yes. No, I, I'm with you. Um, it's definitely, yeah, in the aspect of uh, he, he just doesn't have that much wasted movement when it comes to mm-hmm. his pull-up jumper. It, it's yeah. very intentional, and, and it just looks like 
this guy did this exact same couple motions like 200 times earlier that day. Um, he just can get to his spot like pretty much whenever he wants. Um, a lot of it he does heavily prefer to go left, um, but can go right when he needs to. Um, I, I think that his, his dribble moves are never like crazy flashy to me necessarily, like here and there, but it's more so just efficient and effective. Um, and that there is value in, in hitting these hitting these tough shots and being able to do that. Um, I think as a secondary guy, a secondary, you know, he's getting the ball on a weak side action and kind of taking advantage from there. I I see the potential. Um, He needs to, where where are you at with the three point shooting? Because like I said, um, you know, well, first year is 1.2 attempts per game, 38.9%. The second year is 3.9 attempts per game, 30.6%. Um, 30% to me is not representative of his three-point shooting. It's kind of what you pointed yeah. out of like he was getting so focused on from opposing defenses. Um, but catch and shoot this year, uh, 50, 55.6 adjusted field goal percentage. Um, that's 70, 72nd percentile from um, synergy here. Like where are you at with his three-point shot? Because if he's only knocking down mid-ranges, it's not enough. Yeah. Um, I'm going to try to go through in the order that you presented it there. Like, he is the master of the mid-range shot. Um, 54% on mid-range shots in the half-court, 83rd percentile. Uh, he has double the combined mid-range attempts of Jaden Ivey, A.J. Griffin, and Ben Mather combined. Uh, doesn't mean much because I was Combined? Double Combined. combined. Double Holy. combined, double combined. Um, that doesn't mean all that much because that's apple to oranges comparison. That's Wisconsin system, but you know whatever. Um, for Dudu, had so many shots. It's very telling. He only had one point seven catch and shoot shots per game. He was pretty good at them, uh, but like it, it, it makes me think that um, you know thirty eight point nine percent overall on catch and shoot shots. Uh, and his 79.1% clip from the free throw line, overall fluidity and consistency of his mechanics, that just makes me think that he's likely to rebound his his shot efficiency in a real way once he's more of a piece of an offense and not the offense. Um, but that all said, like the difference between him being a, a high-end scorer or just a fourth-fifth starter really depends on that shot being real. Uh, 30.9% from three, on the season, including 22% from three in February and 20, 20% in March, that's real rough. Um, but to be fair, like he's not a volume three-point shooter at all at Wisconsin. Like 121 three-pointer attempts on the season, uh, 3.9 three-pointer attempts per game, like Ivy took five a game. Benedict Matherin took 6.1 a game. A.J. Griffin took 4.1 a game. Hell, A.J. Griffin had nearly 200 less field goal attempts per John, than Johnny Davis did. And he still had 30 more three-pointer attempts than Davis did. Like, he just wasn't a volume deep shooter in Wisconsin. That's another thing. If he's going to come to the NBA and be this off guard, that number is going to have to go up. Because what's the value of a secondary guard if his spacing is the mid-range? So like it's not enough if that's what no, it is. No, it's not enough. Uh, but you know we've kind of hinted at this, so let's just talk about it. There are a couple logical reasons why he was so much colder at the end of the season. 
than he was at the beginning of the season. He just looked tired. He averaged 34.2 minutes per game, which is decently more than any other top prospect we're going to talk about. Even Keegan Murray, who you know we think about as this high-usage, Big Ten-carrying dude, like he played 31.9 minutes a game. It's three minutes less than Johnny Davis. Um, teams really started honing in on Johnny Davis as the dude to lock down. Like, it's not a hard decision when he's taking five more shots per game than anybody else on his team. Um, and then he got injured in the Big Ten, the last game before the Big Ten tournament. Um, so, like, I, I credit to him for powering through all of that because he was public enemy number one for any team that was going to guard him. But as much as I don't think his usage this season is indicative of how we should expect him to be utilized at the next level, that season-ending stress probably shouldn't cloud our expectations toward the negative too much. Yeah, it's interesting. It's um, a guy that is definitely going to have a drastically different role at the NBA, and, and there's no telling if that makes it easier on him or if it's if it's difficult. Um it's definitely plenty of reasons to um, kind of be skeptical. And I didn't love uh, the playmaking from him. It wasn't, it, it was okay. Like, I thought it was it, pretty okay. Um, yeah. I might, I might just be, um, you're not the first one to say this. Our buddy sports junkie was, was telling me that he wasn't huge on, uh, on, um, Johnny's uh, secondary playmaking either. Uh, I thought it was pretty okay for a dude who had such a high usage rate. Now, did he balance the, I'm the only real creator on this offense versus that I need to get an offense moving here. Did he balance that very well? And not all the time, but like, I think his passing was good enough that at the next level, when, all right, keep the offense moving, unless you get a good shot here, is more of a priority than we need you to create in the mid range here. I think he's going to be pretty okay. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you there. Um, I, I definitely don't see anything as a primary. I know that's not what you're saying. Yep. As a secondary playmaker, um, I I definitely see it being enough. Um, I think like Davion Mitchell type passing. Yeah, which is fine. Which is fine. Um, not a primary, but it's fine. Um, you are going to get so many Kings fans coming after you for uh, multiple more, more often now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I just accepted my role. I'll, I'll get there eventually, I'm sure. Um, finishing around the basket for Johnny Davis, uh, just real quick. It's it's nice, um, yeah. not phenomenal. Nice. It's it's enough, right? Like, but not stand out amazing or anything. Yeah. Yeah, 56.7% at the rim, 66th percentile in the country in the court. Yeah, and he's totally good with physicality. Um, oh, yes, he is. Yep, God damn and, is he. in a lot of different aspects of his game. I think it's sometimes yep. I was like, that was a little bit of a crazy attempt to throw up that layup from that angle. Um, but more often than not, like, yeah, like playing through physicality, I think he does a good job. He gets to the line well, knocks him down. Here, here's the number one thing that you can point to to prove his physicality. Uh, he's six four and had eight point two rebounds a game. Yeah, that's crazy. Like uh, Wisconsin didn't play small. Like their center Stephen Crowell, seven feet, played twenty five minutes a game. Uh, Tyler Wall is six nine, played thirty minutes a game. 
Johnny Davis out rebounded them most significantly. So he, it's a good segue into his into his defense in a comp yeah. that you made to me. Yeah, you know, it, it was it, the first couple of games I watched. It was really just like he he really tries hard, but how much can a six four dude who's got you know solid tools for an NBA off guard, but not like insane? He's not six seven. He's six four. Um, I, I I really do as I watched more and more games. He kind of reminded me of Dante Divincenzo, like his defense is all about motor. Um, he's just a dog on defense. Doesn't care who he gets matched up against. He's not afraid of physicality. He fights through screens. He really starts his work before his, uh, his matchup has the ball, very strong denial defense. He's disruptive off ball, quick to jump passing lanes. Um, you know, I, 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 all of that was said about Dante DiVincenzo back when he was drafted. Now look at him. Um, I think they're pretty comparable when it comes to tool sets. There really is defensive value in dudes who don't back down, even if they are at a slight athleticism or size disadvantage. Um, that said, you know, defensive end of the court is where my concerns show up. He's not that quick at flipping his hips. He can't get blown by. That did lead to some really nice recovery blocks, but that's going to be a bigger issue at the next level. And like we said, He's sick. He's not six seven or something. He's six four. Um, he's not going to win with size and length. He wins with tenacity and toughness. Um, and it's harder to justify that so much if you're, say, the worst uh, team in the league on defense that already is building its guard defense around uh, dudes who just make the most out of their tools. Like you, you just, that's not going to turn around the Sacramento Kings on defense. Um, so while I'm not worried about Johnny Davis's defense at the next level, if you are trying to tell me that he's the best player available, I'm just, I, I struggle to agree with that. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, I actually don't have anything to add on his defense. I guess he doesn't get through screens amazingly, which comes with flipping hips and, um, all that, yeah, I think he's a good defender. I think the DiVincenzo comp, once you pointed it out to me, I, I definitely couldn't unsee. Um, so I'm all <laughs> with you there, and and don't really I'm proud have, of that uh, one. It's a good one. It's a good one for sure. Um, and then hilariously, of course, it got followed up with. And Jaden Ivey reminds me of a different Kings guard on that, end, <laughs> um, which was a easy comp to make there. Um, either one of these guys, neither one is like a good fit. On the Kings, yeah, can make it work. I I see what you're saying with Ivy and the idea of him being best player available if it's sitting at four. Um, I still would. I, I'm like ducking locking in any takes so much in this draft process. But at some point, I'm gonna have to lock things in. But like, you know, I, I'm I the Ivy fit is so questionable to me. It's not like that bad i can see how it works but i am just so desperate for a wing that i like <laughs> until i cement my takes and we do our profiles on keegan murray aj griffin benedict matherin i like refuse to say that ivy for sure would get taken over those guys probably there's a good chance and the league-wide value when it comes to trading him at that pick um really good argument on your side but 
Let's let's be real. If the Kings get picks three or four, you and I are hoping they're going to flip them for for a real meaningful hyper contributor, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm just really less holding out for Cheddar Jamari, like so <laughs> bad, Bryant. I'd give anything. They're perfect yeah. fits. Perfect. Perfect. Ugh. Yeah. All right, Bryant. Um, you got anything else on these guys? And by the way, uh, Vassini has Johnny Davis 12th and Jaden Ivey 4th. Kevin O'Connor, Jaden Ivey 4th, and Johnny Davis 9th. Um, yeah. I think there's a really good chance. Yeah, I mean, when we're talking Ivey top four, if the Kings jump to four, there's an argument for him, best player available. I struggle to see the argument for Johnny Davis, best player available yeah. at seven, eight, nine. Um, I could see a team really buying that him in a lesser role, a secondary role, um, works really well. Um, it's hard to tell. And yeah. there's other wings that I'd rather bet on. I agree with all that. Um, if I was starting a, a roster from scratch, I'd be much more excited about either one of these dudes. But there's just I don't see either one of them as a clear tier difference above the you know for ivy it's chad or jabari or paulo i don't think so and for davis i just you know i don't think he's a tier above keegan murray aj griffin benedict matherin or taris and um so i think all of those suits have much clearer roles or positional fits on this roster i am with you bryant um do we want to figure out two guys for next episode i think we should do Paulo Bancaro, by himself. By himself? Because, okay. Because if the like Kings drop, jump to uh, top four, uh, then we have a real dude to talk about. And if not, then we just had a really interesting conversation about a, a guy and his fate in Sacramento who will never end up on the Kings. We actually, you are right. But there's a chance that if they don't jump to top four, because I just realized the lottery will take place before our next recording, mm-hmm. that maybe we, uh, we should still have a Bancaro conversation point of the draft is to do 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 gillet do our due diligence because you never know trading up trading down who the hell knows what can go on with monty mcnair so i'm i'm with you let's do it any uh final thoughts here brian before we get out of here man i am looking forward to uh the kings jumping in the lottery next week i cannot wait i it's so funny how much our lives would change if these lottery balls just went the right way. And I don't want to hear some damn reporting of, well, if the last ball was just one other number, they could have had Cade Cunningham. Why do you even tell me that? That's such bullshit. That pissed me off. As this is anybody could have made that up and it just pissed me off so much. There's no reason to hear this. Absolutely ridiculous. Um, all right. And, and if they fall a little bit, I, I don't know that it makes the biggest difference, but we're going to have to kind of see how that goes. Um, Again, draft lottery taking place on May 17th, a Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific time. It's going to be a big one. And myself and Brian and all the other guys and gals at the Kings Herald are going to keep on covering everything to do with the draft, the lottery, all things Sacramento Kings, Mike Brown, other head coaches that shall not be named um, and that hopefully go to organizations that shall not be named. Um, So... We'll see how this goes, but definitely take a look at the Kings Herald and their Patreon to support local independent Kings coverage. Thank you to everybody in the YouTube 
Twitch, Twitter, live stream, chat here. By the way, we're live streaming. Anybody not listening on uh, anybody listening on podcast form that's not seeing the stream, and it's also uploaded in video form on YouTube. I got to be better at mentioning that at the beginning. But thanks to everybody for listening, and you'll hear from us again in the next couple of days here.